joined in the studio today by the lovely Bruce and Jenna who are here to talk everything Barbenheimer the cultural phenomenon that is the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer hi you guys how's it going morning morning oh no (laughs) no 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 it's we have appropriate gray weather today for what will be a moody episode of movies 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 Uh, yeah yeah we're um also hoping to open up a uh Oppenheimer slash Barbie hate line today for the episode so if listeners could uh, text in any gripes or uh, anguishes they have with these two sensational films, well, sensationalized okay. films, um, please, you know, it's a safe space. Text in at, uh, what's the... We go 0409-945-945. That's the hate line <laughs> we've, we've just established. The hatier, the better, I say. We love to channel some rage, I think. Jenna, how are you on this dreary morning? Um, I'm good. I am become Movies, Movies, Movies presenter, Ooh. the destroyer of Gus McGrath, um, who we would otherwise have been here. Past, uh, a need for Gus. We, we, we have not evolved. Gus will be back. Um, he's just, you know, gone for this one show, but I'm very honoured to be taking his place um, today. And yeah, also very keen to chat Barbie Oppenheimer. I'm keen to uh, hate Barbie Oppenheimer. Oh, it's always fun to have a, a little hate. Let's start off with some movie news. That's gossip. Movie news. That's gossip. You know, I don't know how much in terms of actual news I have. It's more like movie musings. I've just been very interested by, I'm always interested by how uh, celebrated the idea of box office successes are. I mean, we just had the first weekend of Barbie and Oppenheimer, and everyone is kind of patting themselves on the back for buying so many tickets and all that stuff. It reminds me of a friend Leibovitz jokes about how at a uh, art auction people are silent when the Picasso comes out, but applaud when the anvil goes down and the numbers revealed or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It's it kind of a bit like that. Odd. I think um, cl- I think clapping at the end of movies very overrated. I think shouting um, at the movie and kind of audibly contributing to the movie underrated. Um, I had someone yeah. next to me at Oppenheimer when I saw it the other night who, um, in the very back row, was just literally kind of like shouting out his thoughts, just expressing himself, and I I loved that. Do you I know any? Um, do you remember any good quotes from him? Um, yeah, there was this one that was like. I was quite bad with the science of the film, so it was something like, oh, like, um, what happens when the atoms collide or something? And this guy stands up and is like, implosion! <laughs> um, like a and, pop quiz. Yeah, and then everyone around is just completely silent, um, and that really adds to the effect, I yeah. think. I guess cool. all he did was implode the silence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude, to be um, on a YouTube wormhole for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do have a bit of um, movies news, actually. Oh, yeah? Yes, I'm uh, uh, working on a short film very oh. soon and uh to any listeners who are uh tuning in if you could uh submit a self-tape uh if you'd like to a cold self-tape for a role just um you know hit up the 
movies, 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 Instagram DMs. Okay, or, we'll uh, be posting that in the programs or, page if we need a bit of a contact. Or uh, email. Yeah. You know, I'm open to self tapes. Must be either Barbie or Oppenheimer themed, or additionally Philip Seymour Hoffman. Any of these roles. Right. Okay. I'm interested in taking those. I love. It's very that exciting. I love you're bringing Philip Seymour Hoffman in that, and you're going to get some incredibly depressing synecdoche New York um, style takes. Yeah, I I want them to go full Hoffman. All right. But even give me some capote in there. So, Let's get the full <laughs> the range. Capote, That's yeah. a request, you know. <laughs> so, in terms of Barbie Oppenheimer phenomenon, where do we start with the with the hatred of you know the phenomenon you were saying with the with the text line is there anything that we should be framing things about with like the movie i guess scene is there anything important that people need to know before uh people should know that they shouldn't they should resist they should feel comfortable resisting the peer pressure to go see it with friends okay. or families or loved ones say no to peer pressure say no you know you don't have to go out and watch um a three-hour-long movie about guys talking at each other. Remain like strong. Guys, or stop. a cute movie about dolls talking at each other. You know, you can stay home and scroll through TikTok, if that's what you're enjoy doing already. Or uh, you could um, uh, watch something else. You know, there are other things to do than watch uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. So basically, life is full of possibilities, and you are the one who can decide. Is that the moral of <laughs> That's the, <laughs> the moral story. of the story. Um, just don't watch things, you know. Don't watch Become things. Become a recluse. Okay, I will close my eyes and absorb the general ether. Yeah. I think I'm quite excited for this. <laughs> so in terms of the trajectory for today and the exploration of, like, the Australia's, like, acting and cinema industry um, with so many actors like Margot Robbie moving to the USA to explore career opportunities, we're going to be looking at that on take two real soon when we're comparing Barbie and Oppenheimer. So we're going to head off for a little break. We're going to have a little song. This one is by Cable Ties. It's called Thoughts Back. But don't go anywhere because we are about to get a little bit scathing, I think, and see if there's any hate on the text line about the Barbenheimer phenomenon. You can text in your own thoughts on 0409 945 945. You're listening to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings Here with me, Deb Marcus, joined in the studio with Bruce and Jenna. This is FBI 94.5. I want my thoughts back. Thoughts back by Cable Ties. You have tuned into FBI Radio 94.5. We are now listening to Movies, Movies, Movies with me, Deb Marcus, here, joined in the studio by the lovely Bruce and Jenna. We are actually going to be chatting about Barbenheimer today. The words on everyone's lips at the moment, it seems, but should they be there? Should those words really be on our lips? That's what we are going to cover now on Take Two. Take two. Things have been happening that might be related. When my Cold shower Ooh. falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. <gasps> what do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. 
So that is the trailer for the Barbie movie. And we are going to be chatting all things Barbenheimer now, Bruce. Yes, what? I would just like to... We did get a text in, right? Yeah, we did actually get a text in. So we have asked you, dear listener, on the hotline, we have actually launched a, launched a little bit of a hate line <laughs> today on 0409945945. We want to get some cheeky texts on your opinion about the Barbenheimer phenomenon. We did get a lovely text, though, that was not very hateful at all, quite the opposite. Um, Betty from Blacktown, Barbie was a person perfect movie the divine feminine should be cherished and protected what do we have to say betty from blacktown this is a little 15 minute show give us a a little bit of room for hate you know have a bit of hate in your heart it's okay express the rage express the rage where is your rage betty i have a bit of rage about barbie okay let's Um, get into it now i i must say just to preface it i really have a distaste for any kind of criticism of uh rather things that insist that one thing should be the way it isn't or something like that. You know, uh, uh, that a movie should be how you imagined it, not what it actually was. And that's kind of exactly what I did. I had the great fortune of going to see Barbie at the um, Sydney premiere, which had a, a theme of um, all pink, which I kind of just wore gray and beige or something like that. So I kind of was not with it to begin with. And First I was not stage with of it. protest. Yeah, I was not with it by the end. Um, I had prepared a kind of more formal review. Uh, but I've only pulled selects from it before I actually have a limerick I want to share Ooh. on Barbie, my distaste of Barbie. Let's hear it. But my selects from my actual review was um, just some lines I want to express. Uh, Barbie does so much of the thinking for you that at points I was convinced Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling would leap from the screen and chew my popcorn for me like a mother bird, then massage it down my throat. Um, and Barbie is so sarcastic, self-deprecating, and critic-proofing that it's like it reached into the bottom of the millennial humor jar and scooped out the last drops. That was my more kind of angrier review, but I've prepared a lovely rimic, uh, limerick to um, kind of... I'm always ready for a limerick, please. Add some fun to today. <laughs> um, <clears throat> have you heard of the new plastic sensation sweeping across the nations? She's from Barbie land surrounded by Kens, and meets all our diversity quotations. Uh, But Barbie has been thinking about death. It keeps her from getting any rest. So she goes to Venice Beach to fix her feet and help Mattel cash in some checks. This movie is a guaranteed hit, but where's the artistic risk? A zero-sum game, nothing lost, nothing gained, though I did enjoy the outfits. The outfits were good. The outfits... I hate less than the rest of the movie. Oh, well, on a scale of one to hatred, it's sitting somewhere in the middle with with the outfits. On low middle, low middle. Low middle. Yeah, there's something about limericks which really just entices the the entire vision. I think the Barbie-Oppenheimer phenomenon has been so, I guess, like morally fraught. I've heard such, such great things and also... You know, obviously, such tension in the form of angry limericks now. So, <laughs> <laughs> what if there's any real positive about this kind of film? Um, it's the kind of flocking to movie theaters again, in a way. Yeah, it's that kind I can of always the collectivism can be yes. really, really yes. nice. I just wish it was for um, stronger films. Yeah, I think that there's definitely such room for with with something like Barbie there's so much loading with it like there's so much piled onto it so much history and I think the the way that they've like executed the morality within it or like the questions some people have responded to really positively but I think that there's always room for 
for hate in our hearts and sometimes we need to reach deep and just, you know, make sure that we offer the substantial criticism. It's less hate but more demanding better. You deserve better, Betty from Blacktown. Yeah, it's it's asking for respect for oneself in a way, you know. We can be challenged further, we can be pushed further. Mm. Where is the artistic vision? Where is the artistic hope? But Oppenheimer as well is another film that everyone has been watching at the moment. And here is the trailer for this one. We're in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. They have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. So I feel like there's so much out there um, that's been said about Oppenheimer already. So essentially I just am saying my exact thoughts that kind of popped into my head as I was watching the film. Um, And I'm also going to be presenting them in Christopher Nolan style. So the title card for the first thought, sorry, first thought is a title card. Um, Why is Mr. (laughs) Robot in Oppenheimer? No further questions. Who he is? The cast <laughs> he is so massive, is. I've forgotten. He comes in and disappears, and they yeah, give him a one Freddie line. Mercury. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, imagine the next thought in black and white. You've got blaring violin crescendo so loud you almost can't hear what I'm about to say next. Um, I was really naive. I thought I was getting into three hours of the opening hospital scene of 28 Days Later, Killian Murphy. <laughs> Um, but instead I ended up getting Ed Harris in Westworld, Atomic Cowboy, Killian Murphy. Um, still beautiful, but different, disappointing. Um, there was this promise of a prolonged and extended nudity scene between Killian Murphy and Florence Pugh, um, in Nolan's first film with sex as well. But I feel like for a film all about chemistry and explosions, I don't know, I felt like it was his least sexy film. Um, and I think the de-yassification of Devon Bostick, a.k.a. Roderick Rules, um, was evidence of this. Um, it just, it, it felt like a movie trailer to me. It didn't linger in one place long enough to get, like, depth it of relationships like or three characters. Hours? Three hours, you'd think. But, yeah, how did they manage to make a three-hour film feel like a trailer? That's kind of um, impressive, actually. I feel like it's because we're left with these really deep one-liners that you'd find in the Instagram bio of someone you went to high school with. Like, you don't need to be able oh, to yeah, read music to hear it. it. <laughs> did you say did you hear They that? were always, like, near yeah. the top of your class, but you just despised them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you have to do the kind of go back and unfollow them all. Oh, yeah, yearly. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, there's this phone call scene with Emily Blunt and another woman that... I really, really was hoping, um, I felt like I was like a Victorian schoolchild begging um, for her to, you know, develop her character or give us a conversation between two women or, um, you know, give us a morsel of personality. Um, But we get this, another one-liner that's just like, Oppenheimer says, take out the washing, and then just this like fade out to black. (laughs) And it was painful for me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. My next point, somehow the narrative conveyed through the multi-tiered storytelling structure, it felt more confusing than Memento to me. Um, and this is having gone through the whole Wikipedia of Memento, like debunking the story and, structure and, of that. And what, what, what urged you to do that? 
I oh, I'm a big Memento fan. You're a big I'm, Memento. I'm a big Whoa. I'm a big Guy Pierce advocate. Whoa, so I feel like you're for a me, big Guy Pierce. And that's what made Oppenheimer even like more disappointing. I, I yeah, I might be truly, but I'm out here for him. I'm rooting for him. Um, okay, and this is my final thought. It's in kaleidoscopic color. There's no sound in the background. There's this ear splitting silence, and the title card of it is fedoras. I think the most criminal thing to come out of Oppenheimer's release has been the cultural shift from flat caps to fedoras. <laughs> Bruce, if you had to pick one between the two, which one are you wearing? I'm going to go with the fedora because um, I just want people to know I hate women when I just step onto the street. <laughs> oh, damn. It would be immediately apparent. Look, the fedora does really say that sometimes. Sorry, it, fedora it, wearers, it, but, you know, it, sometimes. It it sometimes. It almost bit. definitely don't adore the fedora, you know. Like no. you gotta sometimes. You don't adore the fedora. <laughs> no, no. Sometimes we've got to baseball, baseball cap it up. So we've got a text in from Christy from Camperdown, and she said Oppenheimer needs some more trans mask representation, and then it would have been my perfect fantasy. Love the movies way more than you two. <laughs> I think <laughs> there is like a kind of a baseline level of. Uh, you know, disappointment that I think is maybe not too too difficult to deviate from just with the way that I think you guys both just felt very let down by both of these films. And I feel that way all the time as well. When I watch stuff as well, you really want it to just push you and like make sense and just be something that's enjoyable. And Actually, you don't I've feel just like come it. around. You've I come now, around? I now get what Betty from Blacktown was saying. Oh, Betty from Blacktown, thank you for, you know, I see it your perspectival shift. I missed all You've really that contributed before. to transformative action yeah. within, this, right. within this context. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I think that, yeah, as a cultural phenomenon, it's definitely something that is worth chatting about. Maybe it's worth watching, maybe it's not. We kind of have this sense of, like, ambiguity with, you know, do we want to have our popcorn stolen on <laughs> during, during, the, during the viewing by um, the narrative itself? But we're going to go for a quick song break, but don't go anywhere because Spotlight is coming up real soon and Bruce will be sharing his interview with Castmates author Sam Typhoid-Moore where we explore the history and future of Australia's acting and cinema industry here on Movies, Movies, Movies. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 with me, Deb Marcus, here on Monday mornings. I am joined in the studio at the moment for Movies, Movies, Movies by the lovely Bruce and Jenna and Right now it is actually spotlight time where we are going to be introducing some discussion on castmates, Bruce. Castmates. I had the great pleasure of talking to um, the author of this new book, uh, Sam Twyford Moore. Uh, castmates is kind of a cultural depiction of Australia's uh, cinema history and also kind of um, just uh, artistic history for some of our most notable stars throughout the last century or so. Errol Flynn, Peter Flynch, Nicole Kidman, David Gallipoli. Um, it's a pretty uh, strong read, I must say. Uh, if, you were, if you were a follower of the uh, Movies, Movies, Movies Instagram account, you would have seen I posted a little image of um, Russell Crowe's Art of Divorce auction that he had at Carriage Works. What says more about Australian art than a divorce um, garage sale at Carriage Works? Oh, not much, um, I, I don't think. Not much. I did not know about this prior to this book, but um, it's some pretty revealing stuff throughout the entire uh, uh, collection of essays. Um, and just a really fun reader. So, oh, I'm so excited for this interview. It sounds like there is, yeah, lots of juicy stuff that we're going to get into. Spotlight.
I'm very curious, how did this all get started for you? And how did you find the will to continue it? Ah, good question. Um, it started, you know, because Russell Crowe in 2018 had an exhibition uh, of his memorabilia down at yes. Carriage Works. Uh, and he w- it was called The Art of Divorce. It was very cheeky. Uh, he was selling off all of his memorabilia. And I went down and had a look, and I was super fascinated because it was this collection of movie-related uh, memorabilia, but also his own personal kind of art collection. And it sort of, to me, told a story of the movie star in the contemporary age, but in a weird way, he put that notion into the market and actually asked, how much am I worth? (laughs) (laughs) Um, In a really risky way, I guess. Um, And it's sort of, you know, within the collection, there was stuff from uh, his very early career. There were items from uh, Romper Stomper, a pair of Dr. Martin boots. There was some stuff from The Sum of Us and Proof, like those early Australian movies. And those went up against, you know, this collection from Gladiator and Master and Commander. So, it really was a proper market value test of of cinema. So yes. that that's and what how got me there. Of Australia's art. <laughs> Sorry, I said how emblematic of Australia's art that we had a garage sale at Carriage Works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my grandfather used to work there when it was a rail yard. Oh, so wow. it's you know it goes through all these different you know uh, developments. Sydney mm. screening. There was a screening, of course, last week at Golden Age, where To Die For played, and I had not seen that film before. It's pretty fucking good. Um, uh, But you don't make any mention of that one in the, um, at least in the uh, listing of Nicole Kidman films. Oh, did I miss that one? I think it should be in there. Oh, it is? Yeah. Well, I guess it's sort of talking about the methodology of the book, which was, you know, in setting out to write this group biography of four. Australian actors. I wanted to watch all of the films. I didn't want to skip over yes. anything because you make note to make note of the bad films and uh, the bad films that are actually bad. Actually, <laughs> yeah. There's a two. There's a two tier system for me. I mean, I'm very interested in movies that are maybe forgotten, but I'm also interested in bad movies as much as good movies. Mm-hmm. And so, in kind of putting together a little select filmography at the end, which the publisher sort of asked for. I did want to include some of the bad movies. If people wanted to watch them, it might make reading the book uh, more interesting. Mm. And there's a two-tier system of bad movies, as in qualitatively, you know, subjectively, in my opinion, bad. And then there's also uh, a, a next level, which is, I think, could these movies could be uh, read as fascist. <laughs> yeah. There's not many of those, but there are a few. Um, it's a surprise not there's a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the surprise for me was Chris Hemsworth's, um, you know, Red Dawn. I, oh, I hadn't yeah. seen that and I was like, okay, this is this is potentially really toxic. And I think the studio, you know, knew that and it got shelved for a while. Mm, mm. Um, if you were to, imagine if you were to do a sequel, Chris Hemsworth would definitely get a chapter. Well, he's in the epilogue, yes, um, yes. you know, just because... He's sort of was the biggest star I could think of now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who are reading the book are like, where's Margot Robbie? She's in it a little bit at the mm-hmm. end as well. But I suppose we're having that debate about the movie star um, with Barbie and like this summer um, sort of schedule in America of Mission Impossible, Barbie um, and Oppenheimer being this test of, you know, yes. whether the movie star can still kind of open a movie. Yes. You know, movie stardom is so weird because like, I think a real movie star is someone who you take a photo of to the barbershop to like say, oh, let me get this. That's kind of my metric in a way. 
Yeah, I think that would. Be, I think uh, hair, hair definitely plays a part. I mean, Nicole Kidman, obviously, yeah. very famous, um, you know, for the first part of her career for her hair. Yes. Um, but you know, I, I think it's sort of hard to do. You know, the publisher asked for an epilogue that was kind of forward-looking or future-looking, mm-hmm. and I think it is hard. You know, it is easier when stars have passed on. You can kind of look backwards. I think in the contemporary moment, it is kind of hard to figure out where these people fit. And I think you know, because of the kind of superhero. Dominance of the last ten years. What superhero dominance? I'm not market. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. I literally was about to start explaining it. Um, (laughs) I'm not good at sarcasm. No, I'm sorry. Um, You know, I I think that yeah, the the notion of the movie stars changed, and I think it it might not be something that we kind of figure out until later in these people's careers. Yes, that's true. That was Bruce's interview with cast mates author Sam Tyford Moore, and they were exploring the history and future of Australia's acting and cinema industry. Thanks for that discussion, Bruce. It's been such a pleasure having you and Jenna on oh, today's thank show. You, thank you. It's always so lovely hearing one's voice back around you and everything. Just, I love my questions so much. They were so insightful. <laughs> I'm so clever. Um, I must agree. I must yes. agree. Thank you for having us. It's been a fun movies cubed. Of course, yeah. I am looking forward to next week's movies, movies, movies. You can tune in same time, same place here on FBR Radio 94.5. And I would just like to cut in. Yeah, of course. So rudely. Um, I'm I'm serious about this self-tape thing, um, whoever's out there listening. Yeah, let's Uh, reiterate. So what is this self-tape thing? Well, I'm writing a short film. Um, I should tell you details about it, but I won't. and I would like uh, some cold self-tapes in honoring of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and or Barbie Oppenheimer, if you wish to. I just think it would be interesting. Please. So I'm, we send I'm them to talent. your Instagram, I'm, you I'm here to discover you. Mm, okay, so we'll post some details about that on the programs page. So, yeah, you can head to fbrradio.com forward slash programs and find out some details for where to send your, your self-tapes. Yes, I hope so, at least. <laughs> Thanks, Jenna, as well, for being here. It's so lovely to, to chat with you both. Thank you. It's been fun. So we are going to be listening to something by Old Sweatshirt just now. So <laughs> keep your ears peeled. This one is Making the Band. It comes with a language warning. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 FM. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.